0: From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN, and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80.
1: Put my name up in Game 7, everything on the line. And Miami did one thing that Boston wasn't ready for. Absolutely changed the game and made a massive difference. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by progressive insurance. We're going to let you guys chime in in just a second. Triple eight, say ESPN eight, 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 seven, two, nine, three, seven, seven, six. A lot of you guys want to chime in on the Celtics, the heat, what you saw in game seven, what you see moving forward. We want to do that. We want you guys to take over. As we now know the NBA finals will be Denver versus Miami. But Harry, before we get to the callers, There was one thing that I think we just absolutely have to point out here because, frankly, we gave a lot of credit over the last uh, couple of games to the ability of Joe Missoula to go out there and get the best out of the Celtics. In this one game... What did we see from Spo though? Eric Spolster is somebody that doesn't need any more street cred, but my God, at one point when he went into a press defense that was then transitioning to his own halfway, uh, halfway down the court, and even the commentators on TV were saying, look at this. They're constantly giving different defensive looks to the Celtics and asking them to figure it out, asking the Celtics to figure out how to break through the different defensive looks with a shell of Jason Tatum. Boston wasn't ready for it. It just felt like we were watching chess from Spolster in that game.
2: Yeah, and you even seen them put Highsmith in the game, and that's when you've seen the yes. ball pressure from him, and he picked Jason Tatum's uh, pocket coming down the basketball court. But I thought it was phenomenal because when you have the superstar player for the Boston Celtics with an ankle injury, and he's out there trying to figure things out, now the ball has to be in the hands of other players more so versus Jason Tatum having that basketball. So, you know, what was one of the knocks on Marcus Smart last year, right? He couldn't orchestrate things from a point guard perspective. And that's why they went and got Malcolm Brockton. But now the ball's in Jalen um, Brown's hands more. And we've seen him become a turnover uh, machine. But also going to that zone, which was very effective, I think, in this entire series, that also allowed the Boston Celtics to just jack up three points, uh, three-point shots and not have a good uh, – shoot a high percentage from the three-point line. So – a uh, tremendous job by Eric Sposter being able to show different looks uh, defensively and make the Boston Celtics have to think on the fly. And
1: especially when the Celtics are missing so many of those shots. We want you guys to chime in. 888-888-729-3776. Speaking of coaches, Matt in Vermont wants to chime in on Missoula. Matt, what do you got for us? Thanks for calling the show.
3: Well, I'd say good afternoon, but it feels like February 4th, 2008 to us <laughs> in New England. So... Uh, I called in yesterday all positive and happy, you know, Memorial Day, trying to be, boy, what a what a letdown. I'm telling you right now, I, Joe looked like a deer in the headlights last night. So I said that was my main concern yesterday. It is my main concern going forward. I, I get the whole thing, and I agree 100% with Harry. If Brown wants to be there, I think you pay him. But he's got to make sure, and he's got to make it public. If you want to sell it to the to the fan base in new england brown's gotta gotta be more emphatic i listened to his uh interview with you guys and uh, you know it it sounded like he was on the worst date ever so my my opinion is that all right if you keep brown fine he's got to make sure he wants to be there but we got to do something with joe i don't know get him a tutor class summer school for him or something i don't know
1: Matt, look, by the way, thanks for the call, Matt. And Matt, you know, Matt, I I love the confidence yesterday. I love the honesty today. I'll also give you like a 48-hour rule, too, of just where for 48 hours, everything sucks. When you watch your team lose like that, Harry, everything sucks. But I I will at least point out something that I, I pointed out to our show staff meeting this morning. The NBA Finals has a matchup of two of the four most tenured coaches in the NBA. Two guys of the four that have been with their fr- their franchises the longest. Sometimes it's like barbecue. It's slow and low. You just got to let it cook a little bit. Like the yep. sauce might not taste right right in the beginning. Might be a little bitter. But, you know, once it starts to cook through and some of that sweetness comes from the char, you're going to be just fine. I'm just – that's my only message <laughs> of hope right now.
2: Man, I, I'll say this about, you know, Joe Mazzula because I think some of that is on him. I told you, at some point, you got to stop the bleeding. Stop the bleeding and yeah. also stop your players from hurting themselves. You see them jacking up threes over and over again. You got to let them know, hey, guys, at some point, we have to stop. We're not making them. You don't tell them to stop shooting it, but you have to resort to something else. You got to have something you
1: control. Huh? Like, yeah. uh, like I'm gonna go straight semi-pro with this. You got to have that play that you've been working on since practice. Like uh, every cheesy basketball movie is like, gosh, we're gonna run this till we puke, and then we're gonna be able to run it in the biggest moment. Like you needed that. Like, give me some sort of a manufactured bucket somewhere. Uh, let's uh, let's take this one. I love this. Uh, Jimmy in Dallas. Jimmy feeling very confident right now. Uh, Jimmy, how are we feeling about Miami?
0: Jimmy dropped. Oh, Jimmy dropped. Jimmy lost your chance,
1: Jimmy.
2: The spotlight was on you. Look,
1: you know what? We got a little screen that tells us who's calling in. I love love giving you guys a peek behind the curtain. Jimmy, uh, it, it was reported to us, was a kid. Sorry, we didn't get you in faster, Jimmy. Hopefully, you're in school, and that means that you had to actually get back to I don't know
0: doing doing your schooling. Uh, yeah, but, the yeah. hall pass ran out. He had to get back to the class. But Jimmy, if Ooh, you call I see back, an
2: interesting. One here.
1: If, if Jimmy, if Jimmy calls back, then bam, we'll get him in. But I think Trotsky in Alabama is the one that Harry's fired up about. Trotsky, yeah. what you got for us, man? Give us your
4: take. Hey, fellas, how y'all doing? Hey, Harry, I'm gonna have to agree with you and disagree with you. Now, Ooh. I agree with you as far as Jalen Brown. He's not a superstar. That he's, uh, I, I would say, an, an elite all-star. That I'm sorry about this Jason Tatum at superstar status. I just don't see it because I'm, I'm, I'm referring back to game six when uh, Miami made their comeback. I was like, I was just waiting on Tatum. Like, hey, man, come on, stop the bleeding, stop the bleeding. And it's like he just disappears, man, in the cr- most crucial moment.
2: Now, I'm going to disagree with you and say this. There's only been one player in Boston Celtics history, that's average 30 points per game in a season. That's Jason Tatum. When you needed your star player the most in a game six versus the Philadelphia 76ers, even though he the first three quarters weren't phenomenal, he showed up for you and allowed you to win that game six. When you needed him in a game seven, he scored 51 points for you as well. Nothing... Tells me about Jason Tatum in his past being in game sevens that if he wouldn't have rolled that ankle yesterday, he was probably going to give us another hell of a performance. And you also don't make first team all NBA if you are not a superstar player. In my, in, my, in my eyes.
1: Uh, look, Harry, I mean, were there not games in your career, whether it's college or whether it's the NFL for your 10 years in the league? Like, were there not games where you wanted, you wanted to get everything you could to your team, but your body just wouldn't let you? Like, I mean... Hurt is hurt, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, he he stayed out there on the court, but all you had to do is look at the camera on his face. Like, I think we have this perception as a society that if all he's doing is wincing, you can play through the pain. Like, it's just not that simple when it's your ankle and you're a basketball player, right?
2: Well, no, especially ankle-wise when you look at basketball where you're using agility every time you're moving on a basketball court. Yeah. Right? And you got to cut on the dime and you don't know where the guy you're guarding is going and what direction he's going in and – your body has to react to it on the fly as well. So it's, it's more difficult, I think, than you know playing in the NFL on a bum ankle.
1: Yeah, I mean, as the real athlete on this show that I am, you know, in the middle of Orange Theory, I, everybody knows this. I've cut my body weight in half, like or my body fat in half. Not my weight; that would be really astounding. <laughs> my body fat in half. Uh, I got either a ligament damage or stress fracture in my foot. They can't figure it out. I, like, look, I, I can barely walk half the time, and I like I, I can't imagine somebody out there on a rolled ankle trying to but play. But guess But Guess what?
2: Though Fitz, also, you know, Jason Tatum when the Hawks were trying to make their little comeback in that series, well, when it got to game six, Jason Tatum had 30 points and 14 rebounds mm-hmm. and seven assists. Sound like superstar player yeah. to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. With you. Adam in Florida wants to chime in on the series. Adam, what do you got for us, man? Thanks nice for calling the show.
3: Thanks, guys. Hey, um, I don't feel like Miami was too worried about game seven with how you know, the miracle that
4: had to be pulled off to win game six. But what I'm concerned about is Is Denver too rested? Which which side would you rather be on? Could Denver drop game one because
2: they're just rusty? Look, I agree. It's it's a seven-game series for a reason. Like, you know what I mean? So, I think game one normally becomes like your fill-out game two, right? It's your fill-out game, see how you match up with certain things in the game. You'll look at the film and see what happened during the regular season, but the playoffs – or a different level, especially the NBA finals. There, so it is what it is.
1: You can't ever tell me there's a, 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 a way that a team would want to have to ice their bodies, fly from uh, Boston to Denver, turn around and play quickly. Like, even if there's rust on, on the Nuggets at this point from a long layoff— that rust will work itself out might if it takes a full game that's fine but like wear and tear is real and at this point you got a bunch of guys that just went through a a beast of a seven game series you can't tell me that doesn't play to denver's advantage i don't even care about rust the only the only question i have right now is is denver gonna win in four or five i look the nugget i'm I'm sorry (laughs) federica works on our show she's a big heat fan now all of a sudden she's gonna hate me this like a a gentleman sweep isn't there won't be anything gentlemanly about what the nuggets are about to do due to the heat you're trying
2: to tell me the nuggets about to have back-to-back sweeps
1: i mean the nuggets (laughs) the nuggets like the only thing better than the rest they just got is the rest they're going to get after game four when they just uh, hoist the banner and uh and and turn around and throw the parade i'm just saying too early for predictions coming up did a recent hire from one nba team clue us into the future of their stars we'll tell you about it next fitz and harry on espn radio in the espn app
3: breaking news the philadelphia 76ers have fired their head coach doc rivers
2: on sunday the sixers lost the game i said immediately that they just cost doc rivers his job closeout games not his best self this is not just on doc when your team led by your superstar Joel Embiid and james harden are the literal no-shows and not one but two consecutive closeout games i don't think it was the right decision
1: That may not have been the right decision. Only time will tell. It didn't take a lot of time to figure out that a bunch of people were going to make a joke that the 76ers fired a doc to hire a nurse. Because we know that the 76ers (laughs) have hired Nick Nurse as head coach. It was everywhere yesterday. I think everybody thought they had the same creative idea at the same time.
2: If you're asking me from past experiences, (laughs) past experiences before I was married, you know, nurses are sometimes a little better than doctors.
1: Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. I mean, nobody's ever asked me to play Nurse. Uh, All right. So let's just see. Nick Nurse is now the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, which raises some questions because, remember, Sixers president of basketball operations, Daryl Morey, uh, made it clear that he was going to pick who he wanted. And he made it clear that the stars weren't going to be the people that made that decision. I think this move cements that simply because most people thought that they might go to a coach that has familiarity and success in the past with James Harden, for example, Mike D'Antoni. But that's not where they went. Instead, they go to Nurse, who at this point, we don't know if he's going to be a good mesh with Harden. We don't know if that's something that James Harden even likes. So what I think Daryl Morey has told you is that he doesn't give a damn what star players think. He's picking who he thinks is the best coach out in the open market.
2: Well, sometimes it has to be like that too. And when you, it's four four things with me with this move. Number one, Nick Nurse was the best guy on the market. And I can't help but bring up also a guy that coached under him, Adrian Griffin, who's probably going to get the Milwaukee Bucks job, right? So that tells you everything you need to know about Nick Nurse on top of being able to have a Kawhi Leonard go win an NBA championship. I don't care if people say it was luck or not. I don't think you can go that far and just have luck. It has to be some of your coaching principles and some of the things that you stand for. Number... uh, Three, that is, when you look at a guy like Nick Nurse, he's a defensive-minded guy. So he's going to force everyone on that Philadelphia 76ers basketball team to guard from the moment the opposing team has the ball all the way down to when they shoot and, you know, they get defensive rebounds for the entire 24-shot clock. But also, I think, offensively fourth. He's going to want to get up and down the court. That's why I think it translates especially for a guy like James Harden. Not necessarily defensively, and that's maybe that may be something if Harden decides to come back that he's going to have to get better at being able to guard an entire shot clock possession every time down the court, not just picking your spots. But getting up and down the floor, playing with uh, a lot of pace, that's something that James Harden likes to do. Um, I love the move. Nick Nurses, I thought, was the best guy for the job at the time. Um, He he has that job now, and let's see what the Sixers are going to be able to do.
1: He has a championship pedigree. He has respect in league circles. Now we have to figure out exactly, you know, and according to multiple reports, part of the finalist process uh, for, for the Milwaukee job, for example, was sitting down with Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? That doesn't mm-hmm. surprise anybody. So you've got to look across the board and then ask yourself, okay, uh, did the 76ers do the same? How does Joel Embiid feel about it? How does James Harden feel about it? We don't know. We do know how Doris Burke feels about it. Doris Burke, ESPN NBA analyst, said this on SportsCenter, the 6 p.m. edition, about what the 76ers should expect from their new coach.
3: Well, here's what intrigues me about Nick Nurse. Think back to the 2019 finals and how what happens in the NBA. He goes to a triangle and two and a box and one. And all of a sudden, the NBA, you see teams now have that as tools in their tool bag. He is incredibly creative on the defensive end of the floor. I think he's a tremendous coach. But I would say this to you. Does the roster at all change given how he likes to play aggressively? You've got to be locked in and focused and be thinking for an entire 24 seconds. And then Joel. And bead. Nick is a guy who very much like Tom Thibodeau will play his starters big minutes. So those are the two things that came to my mind first and foremost.
2: Harry, yeah, I, think, I think the thing that stood out right there for, uh, for me from Doris was you know, how is this roster going to change with the way Nick Nurse has to play, uh, loves to play up and down the court um, tight net defense communication changing things on the fly if you have to, everyone, all five guys being assertive on that end of the court, how many guys are going to be able to buy into that? And if guys can't buy into it, then you need to get those guys out of there and bring in the guys that want to do that.
1: Which is going to take a second. Fitz and Harry brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, Make Every Moment More. The 76ers basically acknowledged that it wasn't working with Doc, right? So they acknowledged that they needed change. Now they bring in Nick Nurse. A couple of things that I think really stand out here. One, to your point, they are going to have to look at their roster now. And what they're telling you is that more than Joel Embiid, more than James Harden, more than anybody else what the 76ers organization has told you in this process is that they believe in Daryl Morey, their GM. And they've given him the autonomy to go out and do this. And this is the move he's decided to make. With that, though, will come a different set of expectations. Like, we talked earlier about how the Golden State Warriors are a new chapter. This sort of puts any end to the trust the process conversations forever, I hope, and puts a new focus on roster construction for the 76ers as they're built now, and also Nick Nurse. There's a big difference, man, between being the coach in Toronto and the pressure that comes with the Raptors versus the pressure that comes with the 76ers. Philly fans are not looking to be patient. They're looking for results right now. Nick Nurse is going to have to figure this thing out
2: on the fly with a bunch of eyeballs. And what you saying that fits the expectations and the goals don't change for the Philadelphia 76ers. That's to win an NBA championship. And I think I think this team was a lot closer this year than a lot of people give them credit. Um, they had an opportunity being up 3-2 against the Boston Celtics to be able to go to a Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since I believe it was 2001 back when Allen Iverson was able to do it and they came up short. Uh, On the opposite side of that, you had a guy in Jason Tatum, right? And I can't help but think about these things, man. You had an opportunity to get that guy. A guy that's going to the NBA Finals right now, you had an opportunity to keep that guy. And now you're still trying to hope and you have a lot of dreams and aspirations to be able to get to an NBA Finals. That's the goal. It won't change. That's the expectation it won't change.
1: Yeah, and every single person that wears a piece of 76ers gear, whether it's to work wearing a hat or whether it's the wearing the uni, either way, they're going to have to look in the mirror and they're going to have to figure out what role they have and why Philadelphia is exactly where they are. All right, what changed for the Heat last night? How do they get the win and what should we expect for them moving forward? We'll ask one of our favorite experts next.
0: Bits and Harry, the podcast.
3: In their 47th season in the NBA, the Denver Nuggets are going to the NBA Finals.
4: We're not satisfied. I think that's one message that's coming out of our locker room right now. We understand that we're heading to the NBA Finals, and we have four more games to try to win. The Heat become just the second
0: eight seed ever to make the NBA Finals.
4: We know we have more work to do, but damn, is this hard. The longer you're around in this business, you realize the harder and harder it is to do something like this.
1: I respect that sentiment so much because it's something that we've talked about on this show. Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio, the ESPN app series XM channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz presented by progressive insurance. And one thing we've mentioned a million times, Harry is that you can't just presume you're going to get back. You can't just turn around and say, well, because we were here this year, we will be back next year. And the sentiment is, is like, Hey, I want to appreciate it and that we still have so much to do, but damn, is it hard to get here? I mean, You know that from all of your years playing. I I mean, fans know that from the years watching. Sometimes the easiest thing to do is just look at it and say, well, you got here but not realizing that it's almost impossible. In fact, we're going to get some expertise on this, not just from our eyes, but also from the NBA's eyes, because big news that's breaking. You just heard Christine Lisi mention it on SportsCenter. Bob Myers is stepping down as president and GM of the Golden State Warriors. That has a lot of us wondering what's next for Golden State. Tim Legler joins us, ESPN NBA analyst. Tim, I know we got a lot from the games to get to, but first and foremost, for the Warriors, what does Bob Myers stepping away mean to you?
4: Well, a couple of things. I think first... um, it, it means that he said, you know, his quote is I think sums it up. Sometimes it's just time. I think he probably looks at his impact on this particular group and the run that they've had, um, and realizes maybe you know they, it's time for a fresh set of eyes in that organization. And there's also probably another more challenges out there for Bob Myers that he's looking ahead to, and maybe he's feels like he's gotten everything he can out of this particular position in terms of value added to the organization. That's how I interpret it. Uh, I certainly haven't heard the laugh of Bob Myers with regard to the NBA. And I think for, in some ways for the, for golden state, maybe this is you know something that could give them a fresh look uh, in terms of somebody having a different perspective on, on what they can do uh, to try to continue this championship window. Cause I don't think it's closed yet. You know, I think as long as Steph Curry is operating at the level that he is, you're still in the championship window, but it's going to take a lot of creativity on how you rebuild the rest of the roster. All right, legs, let's get to the game last night. I want to know,
2: what adjustments did you see Coach Spo make from Game 6 to Game 7 that helped them change the tide?
4: Well, I think, listen, the first thing that they were able to do, um, their zone it just got better and better each and every game in this series. And, and I don't think Boston did a very good job of attacking the zone in the three or four different ways that you have to, to make them pay for it. Most NBA zones aren't very good. There's a reason. Guys don't want to play it. They don't practice it very much, and it requires an incredible amount of communication to to, to cover every area that you need to. The Heat practice it. They're good at it. And then they make adjustments, and Boston was not able to get the ball to the middle of the floor. They didn't set enough ball screens uh, out on the floor in a zone, which is just as important as it is a man-to-man. They didn't get the ball to the short baseline. I think Miami just continually had their zone evolve and morph into something that just caused them fits. And, you know, they—they they, I thought Boston, as a result, did not play with a lot of poise last night. You have to have patience in attacking that. And I don't think Boston did that. They, they, they took quick shots. They were sloppy with the ball. And they just, I think, in a lot of ways, made it easier for Miami to execute that zone against them. So, you know, give Spolster credit. He saw weaknesses in the part of the Boston Celtics, and he decided he was going to primarily use that zone to disrupt what they wanted to do and slow the pace down. And he did
1: so that raises the question, then, when you start to see that sort of a performance, do you put that the adjustment to that? Is that on the Celtics players or on
4: the Celtics coach? It's on Missoula. I mean, he has to own that because that, to me, is the single biggest indictment you would have against him. I'm not one of these people having a knee-jerk reaction to all this and saying, oh, he's not ready for this. He can't handle it. Look, the guy's, you know, in his mid-30s, he was handed a job without an offseason to prepare for it. Most guys get a job. They get that job in April and May, and now you've got an entire off season to prepare for what you want to do and implement and how you want to adjust, you know, a team that was already pretty good. That's not what happened for him. He caught this thing on the fly right before the season started. Um, and, yes, he, he, he made mistakes, and there are were, there were ways he was exposed. He's going to learn and get better. I, I think he's shown me enough, and I know he's a bright enough guy, that I think that the potential is there. But he had to be better in this series in in terms of their offensive adjustments and execution against the zone. I just didn't see it. So I put that a lot on him and his staff. And also I think the other indictment would be late-game execution. I don't think it was great. Even the play that Derek White made uh, to bail them out in game six, if you look at that set, what they're running out of bounds, I'm just not exactly sure what they were trying to accomplish without – involving Jason Tatum in action. He was just breaking out toward the ball. Even if he caught the ball, he was going to be probably 35, 40 feet from the basket with a live dribble with less than three seconds left by the time he put it down. So I don't really understand. And there was other uh, situations in the Philly series, the Atlanta series. I just didn't love what they ran late game. There's ways he can improve, but I think there's a lot there that he showed also, including just getting this team back into the right frame of mind after getting blown out in game three. I mean, a lot of that is is your message to your team and getting them to believe, and I think he did a pretty good job of that. All
2: right, Jason Tatum got hurt in the first possession of the game. That put a lot of pressure on Jalen Brown. How did you feel about Brown's performance in Game 7?
4: That's one of his worst of the season. There's no no other way to put it. I mean, you know, Tatum goes down, and obviously that was a blow to their team's confidence. Your best player goes down, and, and, you know, he obviously was wearing it on his face that he was – He was in pain. He was not going to be aggressive. He was not able to do the things he needed to do, put pressure on Miami. So now it falls to the next guy. And the next guy is Jalen Brown. And he just did not handle the ball well. He did not really put pressure on them by getting downhill. He settled for a lot of three-point shots in a night when he wasn't feeling it. And I think that more than anything, the limitations that he has with his handle to be able to create space for himself and, and also create offense for other people with this handle, it just isn't there. It, it just hasn't really evolved for Jalen Brown. Um, and, and at this stage, you get to be 26, 27. I'm not sure he adds that. I, I don't give up that you can win a title with Tatum and Brown. I'm not there on that because it, you know, they've been in five conference finals together. Okay, they're, they're close. I think there's got to be continued evolution on their part. I think there's got to be a maturity on their part where they're not phased by pressure because I think, I think that played a part last night. And then, obviously, their roster construction has got to be a little bit better for them, including adding a playmaker at the point guard position that's a big-time playmaker that plays downhill, that plays fast, that gets easier shots for them because they have far too much on their plate with the ball handling responsibility for two guys. that It's just not their strength uh, to operate their offense that way. So, unfortunately, Jalen Brown did not come up big, and they needed him to. In fact, if you look at the last 14 games he played in the postseason, these last two rounds, he only reached his regular season scoring average one time. And, and so they needed him to be better, and, and he just couldn't be last night.
1: I, real quick before we let you go then, Legs, like with all of that information and all those the word you used, with limitations there for some of it, the, the Celtics are in a situation where they got to pay a star, superstar money. Should there be any caution
4: yep. with that? Absolutely going to be something that there's some trepidation that wasn't there before. I can tell you that. Because if he plays great in this series – And win or lose this series, he plays great. I think you're clear-minded going forward that you want to give him the money. And they're still going to make that offer because here's why. It's very difficult to acquire players of this caliber. It's hard. It's hard to get them in your building. They've done it with two guys. These are elite-level offensive players, and they've got two in their building, and they're both entering what I would call the winning window which is about 27 to 32, because when you get into that, when you get into that, those years, number one, you're more mature. You've got your money. You're not worried about that anymore. You've, you've got accolades. You've been an all-star. You've, you know, you've scored the basketball. You've done all that stuff. It starts to become only about winning. And they're just entering that phase, and they've already been to five conference finals and a finals, and they haven't even got to that window yet. That's going to be starting now. So I do think uh, – once you get these guys, that's the hard part. Paying them is the easy part because now you can retain them. And I think they're going to give them the money. They should give them the money. And it's a lot of money, I know. And then they're going to extend Jason Tatum. You're talking about $600 million between two players. I get it. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they, they sign him and trade him. Um, we'll see. And, and Jalen Brown also has to go to them and commit and say, look, I want to be here. I, I want to be here because I don't, I don't get that vibe from him sometimes. So that is, I think, the first order of business. Make sure he's in this for the long term and he – he enjoys being in Boston, and he wants to be a part of, of, you know, a team that wins a championship there, playing as 1A to Jason Tatum. They're not equals, and he has to understand that, too.
1: Legs, always appreciate your time and your insight, my friend. Enjoy the finals. We'll get some thoughts on that from your soon, I'm sure. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, anytime, guys. That's Tim Legler. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Legs ESPN, ESPN NBA Analyst. So, we just asked him about it. We'll give our thoughts. Was last night the last time we see Jalen Brown in a Celtics jersey? We'll tell you. We're going to go through some in or out next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
3: Fitz and Harry, the podcast. What are
0: Jason and Harry hot on? So
3: hot. So
0: hot. And what are they cool on? It's in or out. In and out. Are you in or out? On Fitz and Harry.
1: All right, he's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Triple Eight say ESPN, 888-729-3776. The game is simple. Devin will present a, a, a statement to us, and then we will decide if we agree with it. Well, we don't in or out. For example, I'm just going to start one here that's totally off the rails before we bring Devin in here. But I, I'm going to game one of the Stanley Cup final. It looks like this is basically a done deal uh, in Vegas, uh, Vegas Ooh. against Florida. Here's the question I have a press credential, that's how I'm getting there, an ESPN credential. In or out, I can wear my Vegas Golden Knights starter jacket that I just acquired that's just gaudy. Like, it is exactly what you think. To the press box, because the press box is supposed to be professional. <laughs> I feel like in or out, like, I'm in on walking in in a oh, Vegas. Like, it's going to be cold inside the arena, so I got to wear a jacket
0: anyway. I'm in
1: that I can wear the Vegas Golden Knights starter jacket, but, right?
0: Do you have to be in the press box for the game, or is it uh, just to know. get if you into the game? I don't know have a credential. I can just stand wherever
1: I that's want. That's what I'm
0: saying. If you're in the press box, you no, might not no. want to wear it. but there's
1: free food in the press box so there's free food so so, 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 here's the thing
2: here's the thing and there's been moments where I've ran into this with teams that I support you can't wear it you have to be professional. You have to keep a professional fit.
1: I'm not. You can't the, wear it in the press box. I go to the Raiders press box all the time, and like, have you know? I'm the one that that dropped an F bomb long and loud enough that. Uh, lucky for me, uh, one of the. One so when's of,
2: the last time you've been back to the Raiders press box? Oh, they invite me all the
1: time, and I'm like, you guys, like, what have you? Lost have it? you been back though? When yeah, have yeah, you been back. Yeah, 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 yeah. After I dropped the F bomb, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Of, one of our colleagues at NFL Network was sitting right behind me when I dropped the F bomb uh one time and i dm'd him afterwards and i was like hey man i apologize that wasn't very professional and he's like you kidding that's the most fun i've had in a press box in years i'm bringing the press box party around here <laughs> all right so we're in i'm wearing the starter uh, starter jacket that's perfectly handled oh, all right Devin. Look, 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 I,
0: still, I, just don't just don't get forcibly removed from the game. All uh, right. I
1: also did that loud so our boss, Justin Craig, could hear it, and then he'll actually come and tell me if I have to wear a suit. Go
0: ahead. Nice. All right, first up, in or out <laughs> on Jimmy Butler winning the Eastern Conference Final MVP, the Larry Bird Trophy, over Caleb Martin. Harry, let's start with you.
2: I'm in on this because, for me, the Miami Heat winning the Eastern Conference Finals just didn't start with them beating the Boston Celtics in that series. The, they had to go through the number one team, not just in the Eastern Conference, but the NBA, which was the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo as well to do that. Also, they had to win against the New York Knicks and go to Madison Square Garden on a consistent basis and then also win this series against the Boston Celtics. So I'm fine with that. If Now, if we're just talking about just this series, then it should have went to Caleb Martin. But if we're talking about in totality then it should have went to Jimmy Butler as it did.
1: Uh, By the way, Jimmy Butler won by one vote. One vote, so I feel like at some point, uh, this was close. To your point, if it was a playoff achievement award, yes, Jimmy Butler. But for me, Caleb Martin was the most important guy in Game 7. And when you're the most important guy in Game 7 and have been throughout the course of the series, I personally, if I had a vote, would have voted for Caleb Martin. Look at me being all professional with the way I answered that. Go ahead,
2: He Ed. was
0: a difference maker. All right, Fitz, in or out on that being the last game last night we saw Jalen Brown play in a Celtics jersey.
1: I'm out on that, and it would make sense. I'm not out on the the Celtics being afraid of spending the money. For reasons we've been talking about, my mind has changed on this a little bit. But, man, I just have a hard time believing that Jalen Brown isn't back for the Celtics. It's too hard to find superstars. I understand why Boston would let him. If they let him go, I will sit here and say, makes sense. But I just have a hard time seeing that happen, Harry.
2: Yeah, I'm out on that as well. I think those guys, Jason Tatum being 25, Jalen Brown being 26, like Legs just alluded to, those guys are just now hitting their prime, and I don't see the Boston Celtics um, moving on from from, from those guys. I don't.
1: All right, so we're doing a little in and out. Devin's giving us a statement. We decided if we're in or out on it on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Devin, what do you got for us next? All
0: right, HD, in or out on Caleb Martin being the second most important player on the Miami Heat.
2: Ooh, so this gets a little tricky, Dev, because I feel like at this moment right now, Caleb Martin is the second best player for the Miami Heat, but going into the NBA Finals, he is not the most important player going into that series, especially when the Denver, uh, the Miami Heat are going to be facing the Denver Nuggets. I think that's going to be Bam out of because he's going to have to guard Nikola Jokic on a consistent basis. Also he's going to have to have the mindset and cannot play like he did in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Celtics to make Nikola Jokic work on the defensive end. So he has to be offensive-minded. So that would be BAM the second most important player in this series. Uh, I Heat.
1: I totally disagree. I am in on Caleb Martin being the second most important player because frankly, I feel like Bam Adebayo is going to be essentially like one of the, you know how like when there's a wet spot on the basketball floor and the the guy mm-hmm. walks out and quickly mops that's what that's what's going to happen. That's Bam. He's the towel that is going to be used by Jokic throughout the course of the entire series. Like, Jokic no is going to go around no and detected. just be like, you know what? This guy, I'm just going to step on him, around him, and he can just stay out of my way. Caleb Martin's going to have to be great for the Heat to have a shot. What oh, do you got, Tony definitely?
2: the Tiger. Yeah, there we go. All
0: right, real quick, Fitz. In or out on the signs point of James Harden not being on the 76ers with the hire of Nick Nurse. I'm
1: in on that. Like, if they really wanted to keep Harden, they could have made it easy. They didn't. I think Nick Nurse is a, a sign of that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. What do you think, Harry?
2: Yeah, I'm in as
1: well. Look at that. I mean, there we go. Just like that, bam, we got answers. We have cured all of the evils. And and all I can say is that our boss, Justin, has come into the studio. So I'm sure I'm going to get an answer on my Uh starter jacket and my face tattoo. Like, can I get my face painted? Make him dress up, Justin. Make him dress up. Look, the game's not on a Wednesday, so there is no dress for success. That's all I can say. (laughs) Uh, All right, We've, we've been breaking it down. The Miami Heat and the Florida Panthers are in their respective championships. We'll get a pulse of the city next from one of the coolest guys we know, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: Fitz and Harry, the podcast.